Hello, everybody. How is the world treating you these days? Are you hanging in there? Or are you weary from battle? I saw a meme the other day, and I thought to myself, this is so true. It said, adulting is weird. One day you wake up, and all of a sudden you're tired, and you just stay that way. Raise your hand if you can totally relate, because I know I can. Life is hard, right? Like, who would have ever thought that this was our goal as we approached the gates of freedom at the tender age of 18? I know I sure didn't. I was unprepared for the realities of living each day with more responsibilities than I ever thought possible. Yet here we are. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm proud of you. You're still standing, still searching, still trying to figure this gig out. You haven't given up or given in to the demands and pressures to perform as the world seemingly dictates. You are surviving. More importantly, I hope you're thriving in this broken system of things. So high five yourself, even if all you were able to do was get out of bed this morning. Some days it's just like that, ain't it? Well, here at the 360 Fail Podcast, we understand all too well how hard it is to drag your ass out of bed sometimes. That's why there's a www.360fail.com website, a one-stop shop for all your mental health needs, questions, episodes, and ways to contact me on social media. I encourage you to use these tools. This was all divinely inspired for you and me. The world needs more support, encouragement, and knowledge that they are not alone. You don't have to walk through the dark valleys by yourself, nor do you need to stand alone when celebrating your triumphs. I am here. So let's conquer the world together. Amen? All right. Getting on down to the business of this series called Truth or Dare. I've titled this episode, What Now? Because oftentimes, like all day, every day, I am asking, well, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know about you all, but I am pretty clueless as to what direction God wants me to go in. And so I question my steps through life a lot. I ponder on the previous generations around the world and marvel at how they were able to endure their daily lives, which by comparison to American standards was far more difficult than life as we know today. So let's talk about the third largest religion in the world, Hinduism. The information I have gathered comes from Wikipedia. I'm aware it is not the most reliable source of information, but for me, it does a good job of summarizing. So, unless I say otherwise in this episode, this is the resource you may reference. Hinduism is an Indian religion and dharma, or way of life. Over 1.2 billion people identify as Hindus. Hinduism has been called the oldest religion in the world with followers referring to their religion in Sanskrit as the eternal dharma, which refers to the idea that its origins lie beyond human history, as revealed in the Hindu texts. Hinduism is by far the most diverse system of thought. The vast range of their philosophies and shared concepts, rituals, cosmological systems, pilgrimage sites, and shared textual sources that discuss theology metaphysics, mythology, Vedic yajna, yoga, 
agamic rituals, and temple building are just a few examples of topics covered. Predominant Hindu beliefs include the four Pursartas, which are the proper goals or aims of human life. First, there is Dharma, addressing ethics and or duties. The second is Artha, focusing on prosperity and or work. Third in line is Kama, which are your desires and or passions. Finally, the goal is Moksha, defined as the liberation and or freedom from the passions and the cycle of death and rebirth. The topic we may be most familiar with or have at least heard of is karma, the action, intent, and consequences of self. Samsara is their cycle of death and rebirth. Hindus also believe an individual's eternal duties include honesty, refraining from injuring living beings, patience, forbearance, self-restraint, virtue, and compassion. Practicing Hindus include rituals such as worship and recitations, meditation, family-oriented rites of passage, annual festivals, occasional pilgrimages, and the practice of various yogas. Some Hindus abandon their social world and material possessions in order to engage in lifelong sanyas, monasticism, in order to achieve moksha. Hinduism flourished in the medieval centuries after the Hindu texts and scriptures were developed and written. At this period, Buddhism started declining in India. Today, four major denominations of Hinduism exist. Vaisnavisham, Shivism, Shaktism, and the Smarta tradition. According to Wikipedia, sources of authority and eternal truths in the Hindu text play an important role but there is also a strong Hindu tradition of questioning authority in order to deepen the understanding of these truths and to further develop the tradition. Hinduism is the most widely professed faith in India, Nepal, and Mauritius. The actual term Hindu first occurred as a Persian geographical term for the people who lived beyond the river Indus during 550 to 486 BCE. The ancient records did not define Hindu as a religion. It was a specific geographical term only. Beginning in the 7th century CE and into the 18th century CE, the term Hindu began to emerge as a religious connotation in various texts written by the Chinese, Persian, Islamic, Arabic, and Muslim communities. Not until the 18th century was the term Hindu introduced into the English language as religious, philosophical, and cultural traditions native to India. Towards the end of the 18th century, European merchants and colonists referred to the followers of Indian religions collectively as Hindus. Hinduism is unique in that it has no ecclesiastical order, no unquestionable religious authorities, no governing body, no prophet or prophets, nor any binding holy book. Because of their wide range of spirituality and traditions, Hindus can choose to identify under many labels, such as polytheistic, pantheistic, panentheistic, pandeistic, henotheistic, monotheistic, monistic, agnostic, atheistic, or humanist. 
From a Western lexical standpoint, Hinduism, like other faiths, is appropriately referred to as a religion. In India, the term Dharma is preferred, which is broader than the restrictive Western term religion. Are you still with me? That was a boatload of information that I am certain most of us were completely ignorant about. I know I learned just enough to be dangerous, as they say. And maybe I got the pronunciation right. So I encourage you to research on your own the complexities of this particular way of living. Who knows? Maybe you'll learn something about your own way of living. And isn't that the point? To learn how to live and not just exist? But with all the people in your life, some well-meaning and some not, giving you guidance on navigating life on life's terms, it truly can seem impossibly complex and super confusing. I grew up in a household that thought speaking in tongues was the very act of the devil himself. Only to attend a Sunday service, years later, with the same mother, now a born-again Christian, who was filled with the Spirit in a church full of Pentecostals. No judgment. But the hypocrisy was more than my small brain could rectify. First it was wrong, and now it's right. How can I keep up with such inconsistencies? And that is my issue on my spiritual journey. Mankind, in general, actually believes their own truths about religion only to pick and choose which parts fit easiest into our daily lives. The softer, gentler way of living. Unfortunately, that's not my experience in life. I was not given the chance for a softer, gentler way. I was given the opportunity to draw closer to my creator through endless trials and tribulations. Given my upbringing, God was not someone I was close to entering into my early adulthood years. I was becoming more agnostic by the day. With all the chaos and heartache, how could a loving God do this to me? In his silence, I wondered what I had done to deserve such punishment. What were my sins? And were they so bad that God himself wouldn't give me a break? It was getting harder and harder to push out the noise of life. I felt abandoned in my walk through this treacherous world. And because I was young, immature, and without guidance, I had no baseline for God to fit into the equation. So with true alcoholic thinking, I and I alone would show God just how wrong he was for beating my ass day in and day out. I made an unconscious decision to live in a manner that would prove to God that I did not, under any circumstance, need his help. After all, his help into my early 20s was seemingly no help at all. I thought to myself, I don't know what I've done, but it must be so horrific that God himself has turned his back on me and left me to my own devices. The relationship I had with God was directly proportionate to the relationship I had with my parents. If I was indeed the scourge of life, as I had been taught by my mentally ill mother and alcoholic father, then why would God give two fat rat's asses about me? It felt as if my own creator was kicking me out of his life and wanted nothing to do with me. So I did what any rebellious child would do, threw up a middle finger and stomped off down the road leaving him in the dust. All I wanted was for someone to help me. I was riddled with shame and guilt from just being on this planet. It came to a point that I decided I was not worthy to take up space here on earth. 
that I really should just step aside, take one for the team, and let another person try to do a better job than I was at living life on life's terms. I went out into the desert one late afternoon with a six-pack of beer, a little bit of weed, which I hadn't really used, and one very sharp knife. It was in that moment I felt the darkness surround me, and I gave up trying to fight the good fight. After I was appropriately self-medicated, I actually felt relief in what I was about to do. It felt right to take my own life and go ahead and let God condemn me permanently to an eternity of hell. Because at least this time, I knew what I was doing was abhorrent to my creator, and the punishment was deserved. After I made the cut on my wrist, I sat in my truck and waited for the blood of life to drain out of me. I would no longer be sentenced to living a life mired in punishment and abandonment. I didn't know what was coming, but I damn sure knew I wasn't going to have to feel like this anymore. And then, it was as if God himself slapped me upside the head and screamed, What are you doing? I'm here, and I will not let the enemy do this to my precious child. I looked down and had the most sobering thought. The blood will not stop. I have to get help. It was as if I was coming out of some surreal dream. And then the panic set in. What do I do now? Well, what I did was try to get help on every level. But the people I turned to were angry with me. There was no compassion. No, honey, I love you. Nothing. Just more condemnation for being so stupid that this was the best solution I could come up with. And how dare I disrupt their lives, cause fear, and humiliation to them and God. In other words, I was the most selfish piece of shit on the planet, and I was nothing like they raised me to be. What I needed was some Christian counseling, and so they decided who I should see, where I should go, and what I needed in order to correct my defective thinking. This was not at all surprising to me, but what I did believe was that I had finally gotten God's attention, and I went on my way to try and repair the relationship I had with my Creator. Unfortunately, the Christian counselor only echoed what my parents were saying, and I felt even more insignificant and abandoned than before. If a counselor rooted in Christian principles was in agreement with my abusive and toxic parents? Well, then, I guess what they say is true, and took on the role of being the black sheep in my parents' eyes as well as God's eyes. I still didn't know what I had done wrong, but I was even more clueless on whether I had ever done anything right in this life. I was numb. This whole thing solidified exactly what I didn't want to feel. I felt as if I had been convicted for a heinous crime and was sentenced to a life imprisoned by shame and disappointment. Life got harder, and the punishment was exactly what I deserved for being a selfish, rebellious human who only cared about herself. Since I clearly didn't know who I really was, I started looking to practices and mysticism to pinpoint exactly what my defects of character and spirit were, through tarot cards, astrology, and various other tools to teach me about me. If no one was going to tell me what exactly was wrong with me, then I must try to learn on my own how to fix these maladies. And I did learn a great deal, but not in the way my creator wanted me to know him. I never forgot God in all of this. I just figured he would be waiting for me to take actions 
that would be worthy of his presence. And once I had done enough work, then he would be proud and I would no longer be a failure in his eyes. And I would finally be worthy of his protection and guidance. Love was not something I thought I would ever get back from him. And that was okay. As long as he showed up and told me what to do, I knew I would be fine. After all, I did try to take my own life. How could I possibly ask my creator to love someone who was seemingly a complete waste of time? I was humble, remorseful, and asked forgiveness for my derelict way of thinking. If only he would find it in his heart to forgive me. I might have a shot at redeeming myself. I don't know what the relationship with your higher power is, but I wonder. Have the events and people in your life dictated who God is or isn't? Do you think you know all there is to know about God? Have you made a decision to find out personally what you mean to him and what he could mean to you? If you're not honest with yourself, you cannot be honest with God. I dare you to tell the truth. Because what you might find out is the enemy has been feeding you lies. Until next time, peace, love, hugs, light and prayers to each of you. Namaste, Marianne.